0: I do desire a great interest in your prayers. I'll be honest; I'm uh, I'm pretty pretty spent this morning, pretty weak. It's been a hard week, um, and I, I I'm just very very weak, and I need your prayers. I'm going to read in two places: Second uh, Chronicles. If you want to uh, go there, I'll be reading there first, and then the book of Isaiah, chapter uh, number 39. Second uh, Chronicles, chapter number 32, and Isaiah, chapter number 39.
1: Glad for all of our visitors
0: to be with us. We want you to feel at home in this service, and glad that you uh, are here with us today, members as well. It's always good to see you. I'm uh. I'll be honest. I'm 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 always nervous, but this morning I'm probably a little extra nervous. It seems it seems like every time I've tried to preach this, it's been hard and it's been a struggle. Um. And those of you who are preachers know what I'm talking about. There are times that, that God will give you the word faster than you can say them, and there are times you just sort of stammer along. And about every time I've ever tried to preach this, I've just stammered along. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit uneasy about, about, um, about the message, I guess. It's a good message. I just never have ever been able to get it across the way God gives it to me. Uh, so you pray for me that today we'll finally nail this one down. Um, and and I used to have a, a teacher that would say, uh, before he uh, before he made his remarks, he would say, if this doesn't concern you, uh, let it roll off your water, uh, let it roll off you like water off of a duck's back. And so I'll say that to you this morning. Um, and I, I, I don't mean to preach this in a fussy sort of way, but in a way that, Maybe it will help us. And I think if we're honest with ourselves that, that, uh, that we can, we can, we've all got room to improve. Let me just put it that way. Uh, so you pray for us as we try and deliver this message. It's one that's hard to preach. Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 32 and starting uh, with verse 24. In those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord. And he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Remember that. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper watercourse of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. I flip over to Isaiah chapter number 39. Isaiah chapter number 39, and verse 1. It says, At that time Medradak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them his house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices, the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then I said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon." Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Again, I desire your prayers. I, I've been thinking about this for a few days, and I tried to preach a little in the tent meeting Tuesday night about how that God's church needs to earnestly contend for the faith. And that's a very familiar. Scripture in the book of Jude, but, but as, uh, as, as it's already been mentioned this morning, our, our, our world is in rough shape, and, and uh, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't expect it to get any better. Uh, matter of fact, I expect it to get worse, uh, and that's, that's the world as a whole. Uh, what my hope is that there is a little pockets in, uh, in place, and I hope that Lafayette, Tennessee is a little pocket, uh, that God would choose to uh, richly bless in the time of tribulation. We were talking in Sunday school about how that uh, how that uh, Ananias was the man that God had called to lay his hands upon uh, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, and how Ananias had even said, "But Lord." I've heard of this man. How that he how that he persecutes the Church of God and, and, and is hailing men and women off to prison and even consenting to their death. And that was a horrible time to be a, a, a Christian as far as persecution. But you know what persecution did? It drove them out of their comfort zone. It drove them away from Jerusalem and it dispersed those disciples and apostles throughout the land, and they were able to preach the Gospel. So in the midst of turmoil, there were little pockets that were springing up because God's people had a mind of that work. And so it is in today's culture we need to have that mind to work. I thought about... I want to take my thought from that last verse that I read. And I want you to hear that one more time. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken he said moreover for there shall be peace and truth in my days uh, hezekiah if you read uh, if you read his, his account is in the book of 2nd kings it's in the book of Second Chronicles. It's in the book of Isaiah. All three of them have a, have a similar aspect, uh, but all three places uh, delve into something a little bit different. If you read the account in Second Chronicles, uh, starting in the early 30th chapter, uh, somewhere around in there, it talks about Hezekiah when he took the throne. He was 25 when he started to reign. And he reigned over Judah, I think, 29 years. And the Bible said he did that which was good and right in the sight of God. I've heard it said that that, uh, that if you have a good monarch, a monarch and a king is probably the best form of government. Uh, but if you have a bad one, I believe the Bible even says, "Woe unto them!" And that the people mourn when their rulers are wicked. And so, uh, Hezekiah, there have been good kings that came before him. His parent uh, parents was not one of those good kings. It, His father was an evil man and and Hezekiah, somehow, uh, God had set His hand upon him and Hezekiah did that which was good and right in the sight of God. And you can read his account in the book of 2 Chronicles how that he restored the altars. How that he I told the priests, take the filthiness out of this place and, and take it out of the house of God. And, and his first priority I was really restoring worship. You say, what does that have to do with the king? And my friend, it's got everything to do. And the, the, the Bible said that, as I said before, the nation mourns when the wicked reign. And, and we've... Uh, we saw in their lifetime wicked men uh, sit on thrones of different nations. We uh, was mentioned earlier about uh, Vladimir Putin and, and uh, people like him and, and those in China and those in power in North Korea. Now, they don't care to kill their own people. It wouldn't bother them one single bit. Uh, but we noticed that Hezekiah uh, was a good king. He cleaned up the worship in the house of the Lord. There's no greater place Uh, then you can start, if you want to make a difference in this life, you start with cleaning up your worship at the house of the Lord. Uh, You start with putting things back in their proper place. Uh, I'm afraid we've got past that. I'm going to get into that in just a minute. I said the other night at the tent meeting, I think we as Baptists have got away uh, from really who we are. Uh, That God has called us uh, not to conform. Paul said, "Conform, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." We were called to be separate and to be set apart. Now that's what a church is. Now we're going to have a baptizing here in a few minutes of time. If the Lord would meet with us one more time and want to be baptized into the church, we, uh, we've lost sight of how important uh, the church really is in the, in the scheme that God has designed. It doesn't do anything for your salvation, but what it does do, it makes it on certain terms and let the world and let the devil know and let God know I'm all in. I've separated myself from this life. And I'm being baptized. Now, What is baptism today? Except the death. That's what it represents. It represents a watery grave. It represents a place that, that as, as our Lord and Savior was buried and He rose again from the dead. So when we as Baptists think of baptism, it's an immersion. It's a watery grave. Just like you go out to a cemetery and bury a dead body. That's what it represents. That you have died into sin and died into this life. And when you're raised up out of the water, it's a picture of the glorious Resurrection of the new life. And we've lost sight of all of that. And we've lost sight. We don't preach the importance of it. And our churches are weaker today because of it. And we've not preached the importance of, of fellowship one with another. And we're going to start doing things with the youth. I'm excited about that. And we've not, in other words, we we've just lost sight somehow of who we are and who God is and how this life relates to Him and how that we're supposed to be, uh, be, uh, be oh, in worship. We've lost our sight of true worship. I mean, probably several of you, and I know this because it's happened to me, probably several or at least some of you or some people scattered over the country today are in the house of God simply because it's, it's what they're accustomed to do. But there's no worship in that. Uh, there's no real heart's desire in that. Uh, it's almost become a chore to a lot of people to come out to God's house. Am I right or am I wrong? It's almost become a chore to people to open up His Word instead of being thankful that the God of glory has given you His own written Word that you might know Him a little bit better. And it's become a chore for us to fall on our knees. And we started off well enough Hezekiah started off good. He had a long time and a long period of years, and the Bible says he restored the worship. There hadn't been a Passover in the land for a lot of years. And He even wanted a fellowship with those ten northern tribes. that They had separated themselves, Israel from Judah. He sent a letter even into those ten northern tribes. Why don't you come? And, 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 and we're going to have the Passover. Why don't you come and bring your little ones? It's been so long since we all together enjoyed the Passover. And so we had good things in mind. He tried. He tried. And He told the people to sacrifice. And you can read there, they brought their sacrifice in heaps upon heaps. They brought so much that there wasn't enough priests to flay it. And they had to get the Levites to help them. And so in other words, He had a nation turned around. He took up the high places, took up the groves, took the idols, and done away with Him And restored worship to Jehovah God of heaven. And so you might think, preacher, it sounds like he did all right. He did. He feared the Lord. And he feared the Lord greatly. But there came a day that the Bible said Assyria. Assyria had already carried off captives of the nation of Israel, those ten tribes to the north. They had already came and carried a lot of them away, and took them and dispersed them among the nations. Now they were coming for Judah. And now they had besieged Jerusalem, and so Hezekiah did what he all he knew to do. He fell on his face. We've got away from that. We 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 come in, and and I appreciate your prayer request. Remember our land. Remember our country. That's what we need above all things to restore the worship and to remember our country, and remember one another. And he went and he found a man of God named Isaiah. And he told that prophet that the king of Assyria has besieged the city. And there were hundreds of thousands around Jerusalem. And the king and his people of Judah had gathered themselves in the city wall. And he sent a message to Isaiah. And the men of Assyria would come out and they would say in the ears of all the people, you see, people like the Vladimir Putins of the world, they've been around through ancient times. And so he said these things to frighten the people. And he said unto them, that the king of Assyria is going to come in. He said, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't let him tell you that your God is able to deliver you. He said, if you want truth, just look around and look at the gods of all the other nations. And they have not anybody and nobody's been able and no God has been able to stay my master's hand. The king of Assyria is coming for you. And so he began to send letters. And Hezekiah took those letters and he took them into the house of God. And he spread them out and wanted God to read the letters. And he began to plead with God on behalf of his people. He began to plead with God. And Isaiah, I began to plead with God on behalf of the nation of Judah. And, he, and again, the king of Assyria sent messengers. Now don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He said, if you're going to lean upon Egypt for support, Egypt won't help you. If you're going to lean on any other nation, they're not strong enough to help you. And Hezekiah read that letter. And he trembled and he began to pray. And he said, God, He says the truth. And no other nation's been able to stand against this king. And no other God's been able to deliver their people out of His hand. But Hezekiah said, those gods were gods of wood and of stone and of earth. He said, the God of heaven is able to deliver. You see, Jehovah had been already battle-tested. He had already delivered Israel time. And time and time again. Hezekiah knew the one. He knew the God of battles. He had no doubt been acquainted with Pharaoh and his army. He had no doubt been acquainted with Jehoshaphat. He had no doubt been acquainted with the God that said, You just stand here. And he said, You won't even have to lift your sword. And God told that man, He told Hezekiah, Don't you worry. He'll never set foot inside of the city of Jerusalem. He said, But I'll turn him. I'm glad we serve a God who's able to intervene. This was one man and one prophet and there were hundreds of thousands of the enemy. But by one man and one prophet, they prayed the power of God down. I'm telling you, don't let the devil deceive you. One man of God and one woman of God and one child of God can be the difference in victory or defeat. That's what we talked about in Sunday school. All you've got to do is say yes. When God puts it upon you to give your testimony, just say yes. When God sends you to some lost sinner, just say yes. One heart, one mind, one accord, one man, one woman can make the total difference. So here was Hezekiah and Isaiah. And they cried out to the God of heaven. And God said, I'll not let him set foot inside your walls. And he didn't. That night, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord went into the camp of Assyria and killed 185,000. 185,000 lay dead. When they got up the next morning, the king of Assyria saw his numbers. He saw his army destroyed. He turned tail, went back into his own city, went back to his God and his worship, and his own sons took his life. What happens next? Hezekiah, Hezekiah got sick. And that's Rona picked this up. Hezekiah got sick. And Isaiah said, Hezekiah, set your house in order for today you're going to die. That had to be quite a shock. Set your house in order. That's good sound advice. Lost sinner friend, if you're here today looking at the problems and the, and, the, and the rumors of wars, and the destruction that will soon come upon the face of this earth. I would counsel you today, set yourself in order. You're not going to live forever. This world is not going to stand forever. As a matter of fact, the only reason why it's standing now is because of the long-suffering of God. Giving people opportunities to be saved. But I wouldn't let one more opportunity pass by. I wouldn't dare go to sleep tonight without knowing where I stood with God. And hey, you say, Preacher, I've tried. I'm telling you it's worth fighting on and trying on. And my friend, when you find him precious to your soul, then I'll be satisfied. But I counsel you set your house in order. We make preparations for our children. I don't qualify for any life insurance because of my heart issue. Nobody will insure me. I'm too high risk. But those of you who have 401Ks and that you've prepared as best you can for the time to come that either your spouse or your children will enter into life without you. You've done all that you can. But I want to ask you a question. Have you prepared them for the spiritual war that they're going to inherit? And that's what I really want to talk about. Isaiah said, set your house in order because you're going to die. And the Bible said Hezekiah turned toward the wall and he began to pray. He fell upon his face to that same God and he began to pray. Lord, I've tried. I've tried to uphold Your name. I've tried to do right. He prayed for his life. Isaiah had got out in the courtyard and the Spirit of God stopped him in his tracks. He said, Isaiah, you turn around now and you go back and tell the king, I've heard us pray and I've heard his cry. And I've decided he's going to have 15 more years. And Isaiah did. He turned around and he went and told Hezekiah, God has told me that you'll not surely die now, but He's given you 15 years. I would ask you today, whatever amount of time that you have left, whether that's 15 years, the way the world's going, I'm not sure any of us have got 15 years if you want to know my honest truth about it. I'm telling you, things are beginning to take place. The book of Revelation today should be more alive and real than you've ever known it in your life. You see, things were hidden from previous generations that I believe we can see. I could see things in Revelation that just 10 years ago, I couldn't understand. Now I see. That man of sin... The way of sin. I said under the tent the other night, I've never seen a time, but Paul warned it. He said, My friend, in the last days, God will send them strong delusion that they'll believe a lie because they refuse to believe the truth that they might be saved. you ever seen a time in the land with strong delusion like you have now? I heard on the radio on the way down here, I used to consume myself with news. And I had to take a break. It was just getting to me here. I had to get away from it for a while. And that's nothing wrong with that. But my friend, I heard on the way down here that there was a school in Vermont where a man or a boy decided he was now a girl. Do you realize that boys are are fleecing the system that can get into the girls' locker rooms? I'm telling you, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And people believe the strong delusion. Do you know what happened? Instead of some boys that are older uh, jerking that boy up and giving him a comeuppance, uh, they kicked the girls out and let him stay. What a shame. What a shame that is. I read a story this week about a high school football coach that resigned. Well, sure, the kids were too tough. No, nope. It wasn't the kids. It was the mamas and the daddies in the sand cursing him for losing ball games. You wonder what kind of example we're setting. I'm getting to where I'm going. Hezekiah had 15 years. God had extended his life. I don't know if by that he thought he was invincible. I don't know what happened to his heart during that time. But the Bible says, I guess he, he accumulated all this gold and all these treasures I assume he gleaned them from the hundred and eighty five thousand Denisyrians. I don't know that to be true, but they had possessions. Somebody got it. So I would say it was Hezekiah. And he became a man of, of great renown. And now he was just not a king. He was wealthy. I'm afraid sometimes that that stuff that we accumulate, don't misunderstand me, we are to enjoy the fruits of our labor. That's part of the plan of God. Uh, But I wonder, uh, let me just say this, Hezekiah was now wealthy and he was now rich and I need to hurry. And and so so Babylon, uh, the way that Hezekiah knew that he was going to be healed, he said, Isaiah, show me a sign. What sign will God give me That I know that I'll be healed and be in the house of God in three days' time. And Isaiah said, I'll give you a choice. You can either request that the sun go down ten degrees, or he said, you can request that the sun go backward ten degrees. And Hezekiah said, it would be an easier thing if it fell ten degrees. He said, I want to rewind time. I want the sun to go backward. And you know what It did. It did. He literally rolled back time. The sun was going down and it reversed its course and the sun rose back in the air. Hezekiah knew men. Babylon had sent emissaries to Hezekiah. They brought him gifts. They knew that he had been sick. They knew that he was now healed from his disease. And they went to ask him about that and they were astrologers in Babylon. They wanted to know how did the sun go out. Hezekiah had a great opportunity to tell them, heathen men, about the God of heaven. But do you know what he did? He walked them into his storehouses, into his treasuries. He showed them all of his goods, all that he had accumulated. And his heart was lifted up. Chronicles, and I read that, said that God left him and while, he, uh, while he entertained these Babylon princes. God left him to try his heart. And Hezekiah showed what the heart of man truly is. He showed what our nature really is. He boasted and he cried. Look at all this stuff. And Isaiah came upon him. And Isaiah told him, and I read that in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah told him, he said, Hezekiah, What did those men of Babylon want with you? What did they say to you? What all have they seen? And Hezekiah said, Isaiah, I've not hid anything from them. They've seen my treasures. They've seen the house of God. They've seen the gold. They've seen the silver. And they've seen everything that I have. And Isaiah said, that was foolish. He said, the days are coming. You can mark it down. He said, the days are coming upon the lives of your children and your grandchildren and that Babylon will come and there will be a ruthless king. Moses prophesied of it long ago that a nation from far away that speak a language that you don't understand is going to reprove you and carry you away. And Isaiah said it's going to happen in the days of your children and your grandchildren. And what Hezekiah said... I'm 45 now and I've never wrapped my head around his response. Uh, but he said, well said. Well said. I've read commentaries that try to take up for him. As a matter of fact, every commentary I've read that says Hezekiah didn't mean anything bad. I, I would say that the way that God has revealed it to me, all of those men are far smarter than me, but they're all dead wrong. In my opinion. Hezekiah, do you know what he said? He said it's good that it will happen in the days of my children. Because then at least there will be peace in my day." I can't wrap my head around that. But those were his words. You might say, preacher, what a horrible thing. Let me ask you, are we any different? Are we really I Think about how that, just as it was, there was a time we started right. We were on the right track. We had a pure religion and pure worship and we went out to God's house simply to worship God. And then the stuff started accumulating. God has richly blessed America more than any nation that's ever been born. He has. But I'm afraid that blessing has become a great curse. I'm afraid that instead of taking the time that we have left, do you realize what they went through to serve God in your foreparents' days? Do you realize there was a man that had to come and a lot of hot stove? Do you realize what marriage was like? We failed. Do you realize what marriage was like in your foreparents' days? You that your grandmother or your mother and maybe some of you would get up every morning and cook your spouse, your husband, a breakfast. You say, Preacher, we ain't got time for it. I'm not saying a woman's place is in the kitchen. Don't give me. Wrong. But you know why they did that? It's because they submitted unto their husbands. And you know what the husband would do? Even if she'd put too much salt in it, even if it didn't taste, he would eat it and be thankful because he loved his bride. That's a picture. Marriage is supposed to be a picture. Of the love that God has for His church. And we've made a mockery of even that. I would say today, in our day, we've been lucky to see peace and joy and enjoy the good things. But I'm afraid just as it was in the days of Hezekiah that what we're leaving to this next generation, we ought to be ashamed. I'm glad I had people about me I've heard people say in their testimonies, you know, when I was lost, Mom and Daddy dragged me to every revival, every church, and you might didn't like it then. there come a day, though, you was glad and thankful. I've had people tell me, You pray for my boy, and you pray for my girl, and they're lost, they need to be saved. But when Sunday morning rolls around and they're not in the house of God. If you as mommas and daddies don't make it a priority, that little junior will not either. I'm just being honest with us tonight, today. If we don't make it a priority, they're certainly not going to make it a priority. Children, you're going to be thankful one day that you had a mom and a daddy that drug you to the house of God. You're going to be thankful one day. I'm telling you, troubles and tribulations are coming upon us. And saying, you know what we have to do? We have to not get a haughty spirit about us and, and, and face all their faults a, a bunch of murderers, a bunch of baby killers, a, a bunch of transdures. You know what we've got to do? We have got to fall on our face and say, God, be merciful. Come back to our land. We have sinned and fall upon our face. If we don't do that, woe, Woe, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth in a generation's time. You read, not a hundred years or so it went by and Babylon came and they took them and they took their children. You can read in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what it says about them? That they were the king's seed. Related to Hezekiah. Isaiah told him it's going to happen in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. And he said, You're going to keep playing along until there's no more remedy. And that guy and they'll have to come. And guess what? The next king that rose up, he was evil. And his name was Manasseh. And he put those groves back. I'm telling you, Mamas and Daddies, your children are watching you. They're watching you. Do they ever hear you pray? Do they? You know what's needed today? That children need to hear mamas and daddies begin to shout and cry sounds about dried up. They need to hear that. As they need to see mamas and daddies with their nose to the blessing book. As they need to see mamas and daddies excited. Not a drudgery getting up on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. And not, not war with men, just head dry. They ought to see excitement in serving God if they don't see it in you. My friend, we've lost them. We've already lost a whole generation. And we're on the brink of losing another. I'm telling you, it's, it's hard to preach. I've never never still, even today, didn't nail it down right. But you just think about what Hezekiah said. He said, it's good that peace will be in my dad. What about His grandchildren and His children? You that and me, I'm middle-aged. You that are my age and older, we've enjoyed prosperity and peace. But I'm afraid we've enjoyed all of our stuff at the expense of another generation. We're $30 trillion in debt. That cannot last. So we're living in a generation where for two years the government has paid people to stay at home. The economy cannot last. Like this. It's going to, I'm just trying to prepare you. Hard times are coming. They are. And part of it's because our own fault. And part of it's because we've just simply sat down and said what has a cost. Maybe not said it out loud. But that's what we say in our hearts. Every opportunity that we don't take them to God's house. Every opportunity that we don't witness. That's what we're saying in our hearts. But that generation, they're going to pay. I don't know how that sits with you, but it's off of me and you can do with it what, what you want to. But come ahead with a song. That's my message. <laughs>